Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good afternoon, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEX Show, where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, our top performance for the week that was, and of course our hottest stock picks for the week to come. Now, as always, before I go any further, please allow me to introduce my investment panel and resident experts in the market. To my left, always the ever-wonderful Caroline Wong. Filling in for Gabe, we've got the ever-mystic Mr. Mossman, Louis Mossman, and, of course, our senior trader, Linson Cow. Right, we're going to kick things off straight away, as we always do with a little bit of macroeconomic data that's coming out. And I think it's all going to center around the Biden movements into office, the inauguration. I know we're talking about it a lot, but it is something that's exciting. It's something quite interesting. Mr. Cow, would you care to uh, share your thoughts on where we're, how we're shaping up at the moment? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, Trump is still impeached. That trial is going to go ahead at some point in the future, but he has ridden off into the sunset. Actually, it was more he flew to Florida. Uh, but he has, there was a peaceful transition, relatively. Um, it's actually not that exciting, the inauguration. So, sorry to disappoint, but... I think people were expecting potentially more protests, some sort of like coup happening. In the end, everything went pretty smoothly. Trump wasn't there, but everyone else was there. A lot of former presidents and looks like we have a new president. Yeah. So everything's sort of more or less just moving on. on. Do you see any risks associated with this or is this going to, now we're looking at his policies or? or yeah, I think there's going to be far more focus on the policies. I think if you listen to the speech, it was only about 20 minutes, but he spent very little time on actual policies and much more about different ways of saying, let's come together and, and let's unite. be peaceful. And exactly. let's, that, was, yep. that was the kind of the big thing was, let's be peaceful. It's we're, we're divided before in the past. Let's be peaceful. Exactly. It's quite interesting. I was, I was sort of thinking about it a little bit. And I think if you're an economist or you're a person who likes policy and you, you look at all that kind of stuff like that, you probably found the Trump, the Trump period quite boring because it was all more or less everything searched around his Twitter, around everything like that. Very hard to gauge because could go up, could go down because he's such a, he was so volatile. Now Biden's come out with some very strict sort of rules to come out with a plan. You can probably make a little bit more of an educated guess about where we're going to go. Yeah, there's certainly going to be less volatility in the sense that if he says something, he's probably going to not change his mind the next day. Yes. Um, now, as to whether the policies are better or worse, it's far too early to tell. But yep. Yep. And... Do you see, like, in terms of his policies as he's announced, and we will we will bounce over to that shortly, but in terms of the policies that he's sort of been looking at, do you see any risks associated with that? Or oh, There are always going to be risks, but I think maybe if we t turn back the clock to pre-election, yeah. the, the general theme for some people would have been simply because he's a Democrat, he's left-leaning, that would be more negative for the market than if you left a right-leaning Republican yeah. in. But... I think uh, I don't want to step on anyone's toes, but we have seen that the market can perform very well under either type. And remember, he's still American. It's not in his interest to, to tank the stock market. So, and that was never his intention. So 
I don't think there's any new risks that we haven't thought of before. There obviously are some risks and we will touch upon those throughout the show. Well, listen, we're going to jump over to uh, Mr. Mossman. It's Louis Mossman there. I know you're straight from the COSEC research team and you have been keeping a very, very close eye on everything that's sort of been going on in that, on that space. For sure. Today or recently, he, the first day in office, he went and sold, he, he signed 12 or 14 different amendments yeah. or something like that. Talk us through what he's done on the, on the back end of that. So before I go into, I suppose, what he's done and all the different bills he signed and things he's done to start off, I'll start with first what has happened in the first 100 days of the last 10 presidencies in the United States. Okay. So this is in the first 100 days how the S&P 500 has performed. This is something that's quite important because obviously if the markets, we're always asking about where the market's going to go. So this exactly. is going to give us an understanding of in these first 100 days where we think the US market, and I suppose to a certain extent our market could follow suit, where that's going to position. Would that be right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, okay. now these figures are obviously, there's different things happening in every period, like the GFC, 9-11, the tech bubble. So you got to take them into account if that's in the first 100 days. Yes. But if you look at the chart up on the screen now, we can see that eight out of the last 10 presidents, presidential terms, we've seen the market do quite well. In particular, see Barack Obama there. He did 8.4% in his first so, term. So, so, sorry, sorry, sorry to interject. There's an 80, so you're saying there's an 80% chance that in the next 100 days, our mar the US market could go up. I wouldn't put 80% on it. I'm not putting any figures. <laughs> but okay, if you look at the graph here, eight out of 10 have gone up. Barack Obama's first and second term were 8.4 and 6.5% respectively. Donald Trump's was 5%. So it does show that in the first 100 days, the market can do well. Now, I was thinking about the reasons why that might be. And I think Joe Biden has exemplified them perfectly. Uh, so in the first 100 days, what is the president doing? He's promising things. He's laying out his plan. <laughs> he's telling everyone what he's going to do and make the country great. He's going to really make his impression. Four-day right? work week. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if the market would pay about that, but anyway. Um, so, of course, he's doing that. And Joe Biden was uh, no exception. I'm going to go through a list of some of the major executive orders, is what we've been calling them, uh, that he's made in the first day in office. So the first day in the first two days? Or yeah, I, mean, the first day? I think I misheard, but I thought I heard he signed 14 things in a minute, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, so I obviously so, misheard that, but he signed a lot in his but, first day. Uh, anyway, I mean, to, to be fair with you, if you're doing anything on your first day, it's like going through your first job, and you're like, right. Okay, we're going to move everything around and yeah. everything like that. Your first job, mate, take an early lunch. Just relax. It's okay. It's all right. He's got there. He's signed 14 and however long it took him. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was saying before to the team, it's like, you know, in the boxing and the UFC fights, how they sign yeah. things at once. Bang, 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 bang. That's what he did. Anyway, I'll go through them. I won't read them all because there's like 12 or 17, something like ridiculous number, and they're all a bit crazy. But I'll go through the main ones. Now, they cover three main areas. Uh, that's COVID and equity and equality in you know, government and institutions in America. And as well, there's one on oil. So the first one on oil in Alaska, there's an oil pipeline that uh, Donald Trump recently gave permission to construct or go ahead with. First thing Joe Biden said was no to oil. So he made that pretty clear throughout mm -hmm. his uh, running for the election that he would be in favor of the transition. And at one point, did he say, I can't remember what he said, but he said, they would begin the transition away from oil, okay. which was quite a controversial thing. That was in the first presidential it's a cool. debate. It's a bit cool. That was yeah. in the first presidential, presidential debate. So he's already started that narrative of what he said he'd mm. do. Uh, some other ones include stopping the construction of the border wall. Uh, Donald Trump, so he's not going to be happy about that one for sure. Was there a lot of traction on that in any case? Was there attraction? a lot of traction on the border wall to begin with? Yeah, I, I, how much <laughs> of that had they actually built? Well, Donald Trump reckons it's all the way across. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I, I don't know <laughs> how that. much has been done, but whatever amount he's done, he wants to stop it. Uh, Donald Trump won't be happy about that. Other ones include um, ending the travel ban, which primarily targeted Muslim companies, uh, countries, revoke certain executive orders concerning federal regulation. So they're executive orders that Donald Trump made. He wants to reverse them. Um, revoke orders that aim to exclude undocumented immigrants from census. So I think, I wasn't too sure what that one meant, but I think that meant undocumented immigrants not to be counted in the census data. And yeah, I think that's what quite, it means. I don't even know what it means. It's quite strange, isn't it? You'd think that when you, when someone said 14, he's made 14 amendments or something like that, I'm like, wow, that's a lot of work to be doing on the COVID thing. Like, you know, he's yeah. obviously made some big changes to COVID. What are we not allowed to do? We've got to wear a mask. That's obviously mm. one and everything like that. When you've just told me it now, I realize most of it's got nothing to do with COVID at all. Like we're talking about I can go through the COVID ones. There's <laughs> a few of them here as well. Um, but 
Yeah, there is a lot to do, and whether he gets it all done, he's got to he's sign them, and signing them has been in the news. You know it's what? made him look really if great. We wanted to, if we wanted to stop immigration, probably one of the best things you could do is just let COVID run. No one's going anywhere anytime <laughs> soon in exactly. terms of that. I mean, it makes him look really uh, active, and he's going to go out and do something, and people have liked that, and the markets have liked that. He's probably quite and annoyed that everyone keeps commenting on how old he is. <laughs> I'll show them. <laughs> get something else. I'll, I'll get in there. Um, but another one was increasing COVID testing, increasing funding to how they're, they're tracking uh, all the data. Okay. analytics behind that but yeah that's essentially what he's doing in his first days in office so, oh, yeah very very good it's very interesting listen caroline i know let's take things a little bit more locally because we've had gdp announcements we've had some stuff what's happening around here with our own market recently or where our own sort of i suppose policies and stuff like that um recent economic figures that are released are showing very much positive um sentiment but i would just like to touch on the chart that i have which talks basically about GDP growth according to Bloomberg forecasts. So the yellow dots represent Bloomberg's forecast, while the purple dots represent the median forecast. So what stood out immediately was United Kingdom. Um, Bloomberg predicts an expansion of 4.2%, assuming that the country brings the virus under control. However... It's a big assumption, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> should the worst-case scenario occur... The UK will be the only country on that list who will be experiencing a negative um, growth, which means recession. That could just be one guy, though, right? We don't know how many people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But unlikely. I don't. Yeah. Think I mean, so. that's just yeah, a massive ally. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and in terms of yourself, do you see any sort of risks associated with our own government or our own policies in the short term? Is there, is there anything that you're sort of concerned about? Or do you think we're going to broadly just follow the US and move in a positive direction if it does go up from there? Yes and no. And with regards to the no, I think a lot of political risks exist in our country. So within our country, the premiers are not exactly on the same page with each other. So I think in that regard, there Don't might say be... say that. <laughs> right, surely not. <laughs> but um, in terms of economic figures, they've been very positive. Retail sales, unemployment figures, they're all under control, which shows that... Um, three to four percent um, growth this year that's anticipated it's not too hard to achieve very good well, with what it means for australia uh, the u.s presidential and how it's going to impact us i found a really good quote from um tony blinken new secretary of state for biden's administration and he made a few comments about how he's going to be treating china and he actually <laughs> said that he agreed with how he agreed <laughs> he agreed with how donald trump approached china in a harder stance to show their force and, you know, stand up as the dominant country in the world. Mm -hmm. And he said he's going to continue on that. He might not have agreed with exactly how he did so it. How he did it. What he did was okay, but how he did it was Yeah, not exactly. Not so good. they're going to take that stance as well, yes. uh, Biden administration. I think that's going to be happy happy days for Morrison uh, because he's, he's in a bit of trouble with China. So he has, at least America's got my back uh, moving forward. So, so what you're saying is the, the whole, like, I suppose that trade deal yeah. between Trump and, and China or US and China. So that's going to sort of in the makings to continue. He's not just sweeping that under the rug and sort of giving up on that. Where... I don't I don't think he's just going to let China have a free run, mm. essentially. Like, yeah, they're, they're a growing economy. They're going to take advantage of being in a great position right now, China. But they're not going to you know let China get away with everything, which is fair enough. And I think that's probably the right thing. I think a lot of people were secretly kind of happy that he did it because, you know, he, they, he yeah. didn't really care so much about the diplomacy of it. He just kind of, he, he broke, he broke it, the seal. Yeah, if anyone was yeah. going to get it started, exactly. he, he got started. It's, it's a bit hard. I think it's probably a bit harder for, for Biden would probably have a bit of difficulty getting it off the ground yeah. to just go out there. Because it's an aggressive thing. It's an aggressive yeah, thing yeah. to go over there and say, oi, by the way, mm. there's trade deficit, by the way. Now that it's done and sort of in, in motion, he's sort of just continuing it. And yeah, and he can say, well, it was that guy. But since we're here, let's, well, uh, let's <laughs> discuss that. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's exactly like that. I think in all candor and in terms of if we're being, if we actually look at it, I mean, I think a lot of people were saying, yeah, Trump was an idiot, but Biden's old. He, he, he <laughs> might, he might not, he might be a bit unstable, might be a bit fragile and stuff like that. But what you've got to remember is he's got a lot more time in politics than Trump ever did by yeah, a considerable sure. amount, 50 years. And he was an, he's an XVP. So it's not like this is anything new to him. Mm. When you think about it that way, sure, he should come in and sign 14 agreements because Donald Trump, to be fair with you, he's probably like, well, mate, before this, I own casinos. <laughs> yeah, I'm yeah. not I'm not sure if I'm, uh, you know, I've got to learn as I go. Whereas I think it's a pretty strong argument to be made for the fact that Biden came in there, hit the ground running and just said, 
Age, yeah, age has been a big thing, but as you said, 50 years of experience in politics. He's been around the block and he knows what, what he's doing. He so. knows where all the rooms are. Like, I don't think they can. It's significant. He knows his way around the right He's like, oh, I remember yeah, when I was in this office too, but now, <laughs> now I've moved up. So, any risks that you can see with Kamala Harris uh, in, in there as well, the VP, or Biden for that matter? Yourself, Mosslin? I think she's all smiles at the moment. And yeah, I don't see any, there's no risks associated. The press is always going to have their two cents about it. Uh, it feels against more her. calm. It feels a bit more calm. And yeah. I think I've seen, we've seen a lot of positivity in the markets. Yeah. We've seen our own markets been up over 1% on some of these days. The US has hit all-time highs. The the NASDAQ hit an all-time high yesterday. Mm -hmm. yeah. Is this going to continue, we all think, based on sort of what we've just discussed? Well, I was saying actually earlier in the week, through a Donald Trump presidency, which is extremely volatile, you know, you're relying on his Twitter feed for updates on what's happening around the world. The market did ex extremely well, and especially last year coming out of COVID, the market did extremely well. And that was through a volatile and scary yeah, period right, for a lot of people. Of Donald Trump might have stuffed things up with COVID, and you know that wasn't great. But now coming into a Biden administration, that's a bit more calm, a bit mm -hmm. more easygoing, fiscal stimulus, he's ready to push through that $2 million. Interest rates are going to stay low. I don't see why there's any conditions for the market mm -hmm. to go the other way. So I'm pretty positive with the Biden administration coming into the markets. Very good. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a short break. If you have any questions for our investment panel, please feel free to take a short video and email through to info at cosec.com.au. Everyone who does receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, retailing in Dimmicks for $39.95, or our magazine, Selling and News Agencies Australia Wide for $19.95. We'll be back shortly with your currency and commodity overview. <laughs> As kids, we were active. We were creative. We questioned all things. We celebrated everything. We took risks. We had no limits. We had dreams. Our imagination helped us solve problems and create new possibilities. Albert Einstein once said, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. We are in an ever-changing world filled with fear and uncertainty. Don't let that change the inner child within. As Walt Disney said, Imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. Hersec is here to help build your dreams and create possibilities. Secure your success with Hersec Kadari Securities. Throughout time, humans have relied upon innovation to advance and evolve, using new and improved methods having meaningful impact on society and industries. In order to advance, ideas were transformed into new products and services. The stock market has also evolved through innovation. Innovation has been key to COSEC's success. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, COSEC has streamlined processes to bring better opportunities to clients. Opportunities that might have otherwise been missed. Join a company that innovates to bring clients the best opportunities and service. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with confidence. Invest with COSEC. Kadari Securities.
How do you get the highest returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea, Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Blue, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosex stock picks are. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the Cosec Investment Edge, you know what you have to do. Call Cosec now or visit cosec.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Do you follow currencies? Want to know how the Aussie dollar is travelling? Do you love commodities? Do you see gold prices rising? Do you see more demand for oil? Do you see the world economy growing? Get the latest in-depth analysis and discussion on commodities every week from real traders. Get real insights only on The Cosec Show. Welcome back. Let's talk about currencies and commodities, all things that shine, sparkle, fold and make the world go around. We're going to bounce straight over to some charts. Mr. Mossman, I know you've been keeping a very close eye on gold yep. and oil. Two things that we also keep a very close eye on. I'm interested to know what's been happening. Care to take that away and have some comments on what your thoughts are? For sure. So with gold and oil, I'm going to talk about a range of um, factors and influences. They're going to be impacting both of them because they're impacting just about everything in the world right now uh, when it comes to markets. So we'll start off with the two, th two, million, two trillion uh, dollars of stimulus that Joe Biden's looking to pass through in his early days in office. That's obviously going to help the gold rally move That's forward. probably also buoying the markets a little bit as well because he's very favourable on that whole sort of stimulation through more Exactly. Cash. We've seen US Treasury 10-year Treasury yields yeah. solidify their gains above that 1% level on the back of that stimulus. So. Mr. Cow, does that mean this, that, he's, that he's printing more money? Does that mean that he's going to do that to stimulate the economy? Or? Well, remember, like there's, there is a difference between monetary and fiscal stimulus. So fiscal stimulus, they raise money by issuing bonds. And okay. raise money that way. It's the central banks who control the, the money supply. So they're helping out as well, but they've been saying consistently, hey guys, we need some fiscal stimulus yeah. help as well. It can't just be us. We're already at zero. Powell made that exact comment recently, did he? He said something along the lines of, we're doing our job with QE and low interest rates. So I think the fiscal side needs to be picked up. Mm. And I think Joe Biden reckons he's got pretty deep pockets. So he's going for two trillion, but I wouldn't be surprised that soon enough he'll, he'll go for more. Yeah, and wow. that's obviously helping yeah. markets for sure. And maybe the gold price as well. You've got the weaker US dollar and that continues to fall and it's dropping like a, a pin. Yeah. It's dropping like, It keeps on sliding down. Uh, you've got that deadly strain of COVID in South Africa as well. So that's a potential increase in uncertainty. You've got rising COVID cases in the US and in Europe as well. So all of these factors are helping gold. And if we look up the chart at the moment, we can see obviously it fell down from that $2,000 high it made. Uh, late in 2020, and it has been trending down. Certainly the sparkles uh, sort of going <laughs> off that a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. Certainly losing a bit of its gleam. Uh, I think it's got a little bit more gleam. <laughs> so it has made a higher high, uh, and it's looking to potentially break out of that downward trend if you, if you drew a perfect trend line. So with these influences, on a technical basis, it looks like there could be reason to get into gold, uh, but I'm not sure if about now in the near term. In the medium and long term, you've got to separate the three always. Um, I, I love economics and that's my, where my study lies. Um, so I do believe in inflation as well. So as we just mentioned, fiscal- And gold is going to be a great hedge against inflation. Exactly. In that, that. And I, yeah, people were always discussing if that narrative is still makes sense and it's still holding true. Well, and, and I know lindsay has been- Yeah, he goes on and on about the, the narratives <laughs> and, the, and the dollars and everything like that. Yeah. Talk to me about oil, because that's one thing that we look at quite closely. Uh, how's that sort of been going? Because last time we spoke, we were quite bullish in the short term on oil. It was certainly moving in a positive direction and we were sort of puzzling around that. What's it been doing since last time we spoke? Well, I think over the last few weeks, definitely we've been bullish on oil and that bullishness has transpired from $43 a barrel uh, in WTI back up to $53 a barrel where mm -hmm. it currently sits now. It has leveled off pretty much throughout 2020, sitting at that 
dollars a barrel range. And as I said before, all those factors are playing into that downward and upward pressure kind of evening themselves out. So the rising cases across Europe, America, and the new South African strain, which everyone's labeling is pretty deadly, obviously not good for the demand side of things across the world. However, you got a, you got a in industrial led recovery from China or infrastructure, sorry, led recovery from China. And they're looking to build and make moves. So those kind of two factors are evening themselves up combined with the Saudi cuts as well. Yeah. And so of course, what I think there's a big sort of conjecture going around that is this new strain better gonna, gonna become yeah. a regular strain? Is all COVID gonna turn into that? Or is it gonna be like uh, just a just a abstract of, of, and the normal ones are gonna be quite normal? Yeah, well, that's obviously gonna hurt oil prices as well. Uh, yeah, mobility is a big one for oil. A lot of travel happens off the back of, the, of is used for oil. Mm -hmm. um, oil is used for a lot of travel, yep. And as well, the EIA uh, also mentioned that they expect lower demand uh, and see uh, in the next two years, oil trading in a range of $50. So as I said, those forces are going to be kind of pushing against each other for some time. So I'm kind of looking at stabilization. Okay, yeah. so I agree with that. A little, I bit, little bit more cost consolidation in the oil price? Yeah, I think so, because you've always also got that OPEC dynamic as well, because if prices start rising, a lot of the OPEC nations are going to be like, well, success with the cuts, how about we start releasing some more supply? So that's another thing that's going to keep it with, from rising too quickly or in the flip side dropping too quickly as well. Gabe oh. always talks about it as well, the OPEC relationship. And I always find it so puzzling yeah. because at the end, of, we would have no idea what OPEC's going to do. I was talking to a client the other day, okay? And he actually he actually said to me, he said, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, don't worry, okay? <laughs> what do I say? The, the old saying goes that the, the market can remain illogical longer than you can remain solvent. Sure. And I think it makes no sense. There's so much going against why oil should be going up. It shouldn't be. That makes no logical sense. Yeah why it should be going up at this stage. And yet, I mean, maybe it's not that there's no logical sense, but it's more the idea that there's so many things that are indicating that it shouldn't go up. It's got a lot of stuff yeah. saying that you shouldn't be moving, it should, the price of oil shouldn't be going up, and yet it continued to go up last week. Yeah, well, off the back of that, China did experience a 7.3% increase in industrial output in the September yeah, quarter. Yeah. So, I mean, if demand's coming from somewhere, it's probably coming from China. But at the end of the day, how much demand can China produce in the total demand of oil throughout the world? How there are a lot that? of people over there, though. Yeah, there <laughs> are a lot of people, but one seventh. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. So I had this interesting thing because this uh, this week I was like, you know what, Caroline, I know you kind of mentioned iron ore and stuff like that, but I really want to start making claims to that. I want to be saying that I'm the one that mentioned iron ore. So I'm going to very, very slowly start nudging that out of the podcast. I'm going to say that's not your idea. It was actually originally my idea because I want to look like a champion. But now you've said it, so yeah. everyone heard well, it. He actually gave me one of those stern looks mm. and she said, oh, iron ore is mine until it starts going down and then I'll stop talking about it. And Short you just start talking about it. So I thought, I thought, here we go. So we've kept our iron ore. Caroline. What are you thinking with uh, iron ore at the moment? What are we up to? What's it doing? So since last week, it experienced slight softness, but it's still trading above $170 a ton. It's unbelievable. What was it not long ago, 90? Like when we say not long ago, maybe a year ago, below the 100 anyway. Yeah, that depends on how long you define not yeah. too long ago. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose so. <laughs> but a lot of positivity coming out. Um, Rio Tinto said it's on track to record full-year profits of $12 billion, um, on the back of stronger iron ore prices. Fortescue Metals Group as well. It's quite amazing. They said that they record profits of 940 million just in December alone. Hmm. And that, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, it that's, justifies their run of the share price. Oh, it really mm -hmm. is. You look at that and it's pretty parabolic, but with their profits they're making, pretty yeah. viable. But also moving forward, Fortescue is leaning towards another path. Um, its chairman, Dr. Andrew Forrest, has come out to say that it is hoping to allow the company to get a first move advantage by tapping into an untouched area. So in his speech, you can see that he aims to build the country's first green steel pilot plant. So what this is, is that during the production of iron ore, coal is used in this process. Okay. And then after which carbon dioxide is produced during this process, which is not too very um, sustainable. However, in this new initiative, um, Andrew Forrest is trying to use replacing coal with green hydrogen, such that in this process, only water vapor is being produced, making it much more sustainable, environmentally friendly option. Ah, so he's really kind of making making that whole sort of change the planet uh, mm -hmm. sort of. So it's certainly certainly coming on leaps and bounds. I've got a I've got a question. I think for everyone here, but logically, we've got reporting season coming up reporting season coming up in February with the price of iron ore being so high, would it be a safe assumption to, to 
bet on a good performance from a from a stock because iron or, or is it already baked into the price because you'd be thinking a lot of people i mean mr cow what do you think about yeah, it's, that it's both yeah. so they're going to have great results i think that's almost certain the question is how much of it is already baked in yeah because i was noticing something quite quite interesting i mean one of the stocks that we've been mentioning a lot on the podcast and a lot to clients etc is nickel mines limited mm. code uh nic now that is obviously attached to the price of nickel which i noticed was up in a new 13-year high mm. yet nickel mines moved in a negative direction today Exp is that is it now just like getting a little bit like baked into the price a little bit is that something we're uh i don't know if that you bake nickel but <laughs> yes I, I know what you mean uh yeah it's actually it did nickel futures did come off a little bit today okay. during our session and that's probably why nic came off a little bit as well, but they are both at relative, I mean, nickel mines is at close to all time highs, nickel futures, those 13 year highs, pretty close overnight. Um, they do, they, they are gonna trend together as well. I, I don't think there's any reason to say that's a turnaround yet until we see a few more down days. So pretty bullish on, um, on both of those, I think. Oh, thank you very much. Well, so that's commodities, currencies, and the events that have shaped them. Now, are you a bull or a bear? Let us know. Our phone lines are now open. In the meantime, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to take a look at what the best and worst performers of the Australian market were. The world changed this year. So did the stock market. Is it time for a change in your portfolio? Invest with confidence. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with COSEC, Kodari Securities. RBA has cut interest rates to a record low of 0.1%. Returns in saving accounts are now shockingly low. We have never seen these conditions before. The good news is that the stock market benefits from low interest rates and historically has outperformed property or any other asset class. COSEC uses a unique stock market filtering system called Lotus Blue, which helps generate solid profits for clients. During COVID in April 2020, COSEC recommended Kogan, which went up 340%. In June, COSEC recommended Saracen Minerals, which went up 23%. In October, COSEC recommended Nickel Mines, which went up 33%. If you want your money working overtime, you need to know what stocks to buy and when to sell. That's where COSEC can help. With no barriers to entry, it's just simple investing. Build wealth with a concrete investment strategy. Go to COSEC.com.au. Get a free seven-day access to Lotus Blue and receive our top eight stock picks today. have relied upon innovation to advance and evolve using new and improved methods having meaningful impact on society and industries 
In order to advance, ideas were transformed into new products and services. The stock market has also evolved through innovation. Innovation has been key to COSEC's success. Using artificial intelligence and machine learning, COSEC has streamlined processes to bring better opportunities to clients. Opportunities that might have otherwise been missed. Join a company that innovates to bring clients the best opportunities and service. Invest with a solid strategy. Invest with confidence. Invest with COSEC. Kadari Securities. section now and have a look at what the best and worst performers for the week were but before we go any further we do have a viewer question someone who's videoed and we're going to go to that right now hi guys the tech sector appears to be doing really well this year do you think that positivity will hold up for the rest of 2021 wow what a question there we go I think uh, I think that's a pretty pretty good one to be going forward which sectors do we think are going to be doing better let's go straight over to mr. Cal Okay, you can have a quick chat about it because I know this is something that pertains quite nicely to something that you've been looking at for a long time. But what are your thoughts on the answer to that? Yeah, it is a very relevant question for the day. So let's just go straight to the chart with tech IPOs in Australia. So I'll just talk a little bit about it's a precursor. So obviously tech globally, it's not going anywhere, right? We're only going to be using more and more tech. So if you can find the right opportunities within that sector, there are there is money to be made there. It's more that there was that sector rotation away from tech because it did very well during the the, the peak of the pandemic. And then there was that rotation away from it once the COVID vaccines came through. And again, for that at least one day uh, when the, we found out there was gonna be a blue wave over in the US. But longer term, tech is gonna be fine. Now, if we have a look um, at tech IPOs in Australia, you can see here what these bars represent is the percentage of total IPOs each year in Australia made you can that 24% highest in a decade. And now that's not counting things that are technically, uh, technically in financials or communications, which are really kind of tech firms as well, like FinTech, yes, for instance. Right. So potentially if you included all of those, you could get up into the 40, 50% vicinity, and that's expected to continue into 2021. So the appetite for tech is still there if we can find the right opportunities. Now on a technical basis, it's a lot of techs. On a technical <laughs> basis, there are, uh, some of the charts don't look as appealing, but we are seeing some turnaround some bit of a turnaround exactly yeah so i mean I'm, i don't want to step on anyone's toes but i think technology one is the one obvious one where it did bounce off a level of support back into the upper donchin channel so maybe a fan of but if you're a fan of buying low or on, on and holding stocks that this could be this sector as a, as a broad line could be could be looking quite exactly good. institutional valuations support it uh, yeah you, technicals if you go with trends some of them don't look so great if you look at potential turnarounds though looking yes. pretty attractive potentially all right so that's the i mean that's the i suppose that's the sector that we could do let's but we're going to go over to uh, mr mossman and talk a little bit about what sort of stocks in that sector now let me caveat this by saying that we follow a very very strict criteria when it comes to the tech stocks that we yep. look at that strict criteria is of course fundamentally found uh, sound stocks we're only really looking in the asx top 300 yep. 200 realistically good cash flow revenues and operating margins so that's the criteria we're looking at we're not necessarily looking for the the budding ipos that are going to change the world we're looking a little bit more towards the more stable would that be a, a safe assumption yeah for sure I, I what i did in response to that question i just compiled a list of the six tech stocks that we probably look at quite a lot maybe not be buying into right now but we look at quite often and how they perform this week so as Lindsay said they've dropped off and technically might not be looking extremely attractive yes. at the moment but they are having that tick up. So we'll go through a list. We've got Data3 up almost 3%, Appen 2.3%, Afterpay up 7%, uh, 
Uh, wow, zero. What's the price of Afterpay? It must be above one. Hundred forty dollars. Hundred. Unbelievable. <laughs> things just. I mean, eight bucks in the middle of March. It, it, it is hard to pick though if you're going to be going short term <laughs> with it because it is up and down like oh, a yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I'd say it'd be one of the most traded it's like stocks. The, it's like the Bitcoin of the st- of the ASX, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I don't know what it's all about, but yeah. it is. It'd probably be one of the most heavily traded stocks on the asx so i think that's certainly a, in the public consciousness yeah. a lot like people do talk about it a lot yeah. it's asx news. top 20 now exactly. isn't it yeah so, yeah, so it, and it is it is a huge company mm-hmm. uh and it's yeah it's doing very well and the last one was WiseTech as well 20 percent uh in just this week but, but Tech's done very well this week i've been noticing that that has done exceptionally exceptionally yeah. well why is that just to do with their more logistical services or well, a lot of the stocks that i just mentioned then the way i've been seeing it and why I think they look attractive as well, just like Linson said, is the role that they played last year is not going to change this year and the year after and the year after that. They still play an essential role in increasing business efficiencies um, and, you know, uh, stoking innovation yeah. within our economy. And they're, they're all great businesses as well. So I don't think that's going to change. I think one of the ones you mentioned, you may or may not have mentioned in there was Altium to code ALU. Yeah, yeah. yeah, now, I mean... That's a prime example of that because they're in the design and implementation of printed circuit boards. Now, they obviously go into computers and other type of electronic devices. I don't think we're going to stop using computers. I don't think exactly. they're going to stop to do that. Now, there might be a decrease, uh, sort of a fraction or sort of a decrease where things might drop off a little bit because of whatever. But I, don't, I think in the long run, I think there's still going to be computers. I think people are still going to need those printed circuit boards. That'd be exactly it's the trend, as yeah. uh, uh, Lindsay said. The trend of using tech is just skyrocketing, and it's not going to stop. Mm. Um, so the businesses that support that, someone like Altium, uh, they're obviously supporting the software that goes into computers. And I think probably if you're looking for these stocks and you're looking for these turnaround stories, because they can be quite volatile. Yeah. Okay, one of the things I'd be looking at is the innovation. Of, of that how easy is it for someone to copy what they're doing because after pay touch yeah i mean it's got that uh first mover advantage but zipco came out with its announcement recently and that was up 20 24 percent in one day and then it's up again it's continuing on its run and that's yeah. sort of a copy of after pay touch we've got to be i'm not sure i'm not i'm not saying i can only name one printed circuit board maker maker exactly. on the exchange and well, yeah, a lot of those um, buy now, pay later stocks, as Linson said, they're in the public conscience. So mm-hmm. you hear about them and they pump. And when they're in the news, they do pump because people are so attracted to them. And there's quite a number of them as well listed on our exchange. So it is quite a competitive marketplace. But you go small, like Sizzle and, and exactly. Split It. And Open and Pay as well. Yeah, they go very and, well. And, and the new Lay Buy, which is not doing very well, <laughs> uh, LBY. I mean, those ones, are, I mean, it gets, there's a lot of them. Because if you boil it down to their core product, the competitive advantage isn't really there. It's just the first mover mm. advantage that Afterpay's got. It's not that complicated or advanced or interesting of a product because they've got first mover advantage. They've done very well, but there's no real stopping anyone else coming in and competing with them as well. So high risk, high reward would be something. Exactly. Well, I mean, if you picked it at $8 when hey, it you're got genius. hit, you're, you're a genius. Maybe you should be on here. Absolutely. But, but that's what I mean. If you picked it at $8, you'd be, you'd be cheering. But I think, okay, so if any if any uh, investors had put money in at $8, please just uh, let us know. Send us an email. We'd love to have a chat with you about how you picked that. Exactly. But let's go to Caroline because I hope that answered the question about tech. But have a chat to us broadly about what the best and worst performers on the ASX were this week. I know you've got your charts. So yeah. Have a look at those. Just right before we jump into that, I just want to tell you that it's a very good week for the local share market. We finally cracked 6,800 points. Really? Yeah, we're at okay. 6,800 points, which means we're only 5% away from our all-time highs in March last year. I don't know if anyone can remember back, but we had a, a, an enormous amount of difficulty getting through 6,000 back in 2017. And I can very well remember the day that we cracked 6,000. It's only two years later now, but three years later now, but it was 2017. Does anyone know? 6th of November, 2017. No, <laughs> Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne Cup Day. Ah, okay. It was Melbourne Cup Day. So there was a lot of liquidity in the market. And uh, yeah, so there was, a, there was a lot of optimism surrounding that one there. Anyway, I digress. Continue. Okay, back to the chat. Um, best performing sector this week was IT up 1.8% this week. So aside to the rally in the US with the NASDAQ reaching record highs, a lot of lifting was done by the buy now pay later um, players, which Louis has touched on earlier. But just as a point of um, contrast, the market darling after pay currently at an all-time high $141. Morgan Stanley actually gave it a buy rating at July 2020 with a price target of $36. Last week, last week, um, just within... What, $136 or $36? Yeah, no. So it's $36 in July 2020. But last week, 
it gave it a price rating of 136. Oh, okay. So that's a price difference of $100 within six months. It's an amazing coincidence. Mm. It's exactly a hundred dollars <laughs> high. I don't know how much analysis went into that, but wow, that's um, that's 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 it's a big call. That's a, so, but that's more than Stanley. They can yeah. they can they can probably do that. Fantastic. Well, that's the best and worst for the performance of the ASX this week. Now, do you have a stock that you've been watching for a while? Is it time to buy, sell, or maybe even average in? Why not send us a message and we can ask our panel in the meantime? Let's take a short break and we'll be back with our final section of the show. returns in the stock market on a consistent basis? Obsessed with this idea. Michael Kadari forms COSEC, Kadari Securities. He seeks, in his own words, a revolutionary investment strategy based on better information and knowledge. Wealth begins with better knowledge, becomes his motto. He seeks to identify and accurately pick the next top performing stocks on the ASX. He seeks for consistency. Michael Kadari creates a unique stock market filtering system he names Lotus Blue, named after a flower that blooms just once. Because in investing, timing is everything. See how accurate Cosec stock picks are. Get a free seven day access to Lotus Blue today. If you want the COSEC investment edge, you know what you have to do. Call COSEC now or visit COSEC.com.au and take advantage of the insights he reserves for his clients. Trust is key to any relationship. Fortunately, it's nothing that can be bought. It's earned. As an investor working with an organization, they need to demonstrate integrity. They must show consistency, full transparency, accountability. They must be genuine in their approach. Their core values must align with yours. They need to put your interest first. If you are considering investing, work with an organisation that earns and nurtures trust. Work with an organisation you believe in. Work with an organisation that treats you the same way they like to be treated. Join an organisation that views clients as people, not people as clients. If you are considering investing, consider Kosek Kadari Securities. As kids, we were active. 
we were creative. We questioned all things. We celebrated everything. We took risks. We had no limits. We had dreams. Our imagination helped us solve problems and create new possibilities. Albert Einstein once said, imagination is everything. It is the preview of life's coming attractions. We are in an ever-changing world filled with fear and uncertainty. Don't let that change the inner child within. As Walt Disney said, imagination has no age and dreams are forever. Herzig is here to help build your dreams and create possibilities. Secure your success with Herzig Kadari Securities. The moment we've all been waiting for, the final section of the Cosex Show. So this is what investors are really looking for. Now we know what oil, we know what gold and the dollar has done. We know what the top performers for the week were. Now let's take a look at what our panel is looking at for the week to come. Linson, kick us off. What's your opportunity? What have you been looking at? And why do you like it right now? Okay, so I will keep you in suspense this week for a little bit. So for a change, yep. try to remember Caroline's chart. I think the best performer was tech. The second best performer was consumer discretionaries. And Aussie jobs data came out yesterday, positive. Yes. Positive uh, compared to last month and also positive compared to expectations. So, so more people are getting jobs, more people are getting work. Yeah, we don't know exactly. It's not broken down by sector. So it's probably not the exact same people getting back the exact same jobs. But yeah, generally there's some positivity on that front now. I did mention this stock about a month ago, so I am going to mention it again. The reason is as a proxy for the broader sector. It's Accent Group, ticker okay. AX1. So they're the importer, wholesaler, and retailer of international footwear brands. I wear Timberlands. My wife wears Doc Martens. I think that's what I said last time. So a couple of things here. So it is. it, it was down today, but it's still up 8% since a month ago when I mentioned it. And a month ago, it was at all-time highs. So... Again, doesn't mean it's going to definitely keep going, but just because something hits an all-time high doesn't mean it can't keep going. I mean, say it's got a pretty sharp accent on it for the for the chart. Exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> well done. Yeah. So again, like just for people who are a little bit hesitant for all-time highs, yeah, it's healthy skepticism is fine, but stocks only go up when they hit highs and they so, keep going. So, so you so. mentioned you mentioned it before, uh, what about a month ago? Yeah. And since you mentioned it's gone up about eight or eight or nine percent. Yeah, it was actually uh, more than that until it's today. It took it was three percent right or something down so today. But when you consider that the ninety year average for the stock market's been about eleven and a half percent, for something to go up ten percent in the space of a month is very, very, very good when we take that into so that's what you're sort of saying in terms of buying on an all time high, probably not such a big thing to worry yeah, about. Not Never necessarily a deterrent. I mean, yes, it's it is something relevant, but it's not necessarily deterrent. You do have to look at all the other factors. So uh like I said, this is more a proxy for that broader consumer discretionary sector. So uh remind me if I leave any out, but super retail, JB Hi Fi this week, positive trading updates uh ahead of reporting season. Nick Scarlet. Uh, that's right, Nick Scarley yeah, the Scarley. week before. That was the first one, actually. It was the first one to come out with a... No, and it's BAPCOR was the first one. Well, the BAPCOR was the first one. I stand corrected. Mm. Uh, yeah, so back in your box. But Super Retail <laughs> was, uh, was a record result. I think Nick Scarley was also record sales in December as well. Anyone who has online sales, those are also at not surprising given given the COVID situation. I think uh, some broker said that um, Baby Bunting is also... Looking potentially good, yeah. and actually, if baby someone... bunting's amazing because baby bunting is a because I know it's not your opportunity, but baby mm. bunting is considered to be an essential service, uh, so it didn't get too badly affected. I believe all of its stores actually stayed open. Yeah, I think that throughout the throughout the pandemic as well. So, you know, I think that was right. And yeah, if someone had told me you can't mention accent again, baby bunting is the one I would have mentioned as the proxy for the broader sector. But again, if we bring the chart up, you can uh, see I think, that- I probably think the instructions were probably to have a new stock pick each week. So maybe <laughs> you shouldn't have mentioned that again. But... Mm, yeah, you did say that there would, <laughs> I mean, eventually we're going to run out and we're just going to have to- Cycling our way through. Doubling down on Accent Group. Yeah, yeah <laughs> cycling our way through the like entire- Like that much. I only want the best months. opportunities for our clients. <laughs> so if you have a look at this chart, you can see technically it still looks great. It's higher lows and higher highs, sustained Williams Alligator uptrend. It has returned to that upper Donchin channel. It is holding in there as well. And the stochastic oscillator, it's pointing up after almost approaching a level of oversold. So 
if you want to look at that as an indication that it's not overheated yet, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you could. Oh, very good. So you've got an accent group there. All right, let's go over to Louis Mossman. Yep. Have a quick chat to us about what opportunity you've been looking at and why you like it right now. Lindsay loves suspense, but I, I'm not into suspense. I'm just going to go straight into it. Data three. Uh, now, data three, I'll give you... That's that tech sector stock. Exactly. So I followed in from with the tech sector. And the reason I'm, again, bullish on tech, what I said before, the role that business like data three has to play in 2021 isn't going to be any less than it did in 2020. Mm -hmm. And it did performed exceptionally well. It had dropped off recently only because of probably that tech rotation um, to more value stocks in November, was it? Yep. November. Um, so th that's obviously caused the drop off. But again, their role in 2021 isn't going to be any less than it was in 2020. So they're an IT service and solutions provider uh, in the cloud, uh, modern workspace solutions, uh, data and data analytics. So essentially what that means, first time you read it, you probably won't know what it means. Increasing efficiencies in the workplace uh, and allowing um, employees to work, to work from home. Yeah, work and collaborate, work that and collaborate from that's home. I think that's the big one that they're, they were talking about is how this, this stock actually allows people to work and collaborate exactly. from home. Because working from home is easy. Right? You can just do your work from home. If you know what you're doing, it's very, very easy to do. The problem is at a senior level or even at a, at a team level, you need to collaborate from home. Yep. Like uh, I would, I would, you know, I'd be a loss if I didn't have you guys telling me what we're buying and looking at today. So I think it's all about that collaboration. So that's what they do. They're about that collaboration. And they're also about that storage because I couldn't imagine what it would be like to have to performance manage a remote worker. Yeah. Because how like, how do you tell what they're doing? How can you actually go and have a, have a conversation with them about the, the quality of their work? But their data, data three is involving and sort of, stopping that well, you're exactly. helping with that is that correct? Well, over the last few months australia's done very well with covid mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we not, might not be all stuck at home but i think there will be a general transition and people have said it for months now there will be a general transition to more people uh working from home working yeah. from home. remote working is going to be part of everyday life now and covid doesn't seem to be going anywhere so that's going to continue for a lot of businesses and data three services and products are going to be extremely useful um, to those businesses in allowing you know, remote working to occur. So this stock was very heavily beaten down in March, yeah. but it was probably one of the ones that rebounded the quickest after the COVID crash. It's like a company like Kogan, you know, the lights turn on and people go, oh, yeah, they're well, the kind of businesses that are going to perform even better yeah. because of COVID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, without saying least. Anyway, uh, Data3, been a very fundamentally sound company as well. Their return on equity has been increasing consistently for the last seven years. Mm -hmm. This year it was 45% um, ROE for FY20. So that's wow quite exceptional. Um, and if we take up a chart of data three, we can see, as I mentioned before, that heavily beaten down period from November. Uh, but recently it's made higher highs and it's used that 200 day simple moving average as support to kind of elevate it back up. And there shows to be a little bit of momentum as well on the MACD. So data three is my opportunity. It's about 25% like it. from its all time high. Is that correct? Roughly yeah, about that's, 25%. That's bang on. Yeah. So, so yeah. a bit of quite a lot of room to run for the, to the next level. Of very, resistance. very yeah. good. So we've got Data Three, we've got Appen, or Accent Group, we've got Accent Group, we've got Data Three, and let's finish off Caroline Wong, the mystic Caroline Wong, the stock picker extraordinaire. What are we looking at? Why do you like it right now? Famous for picking all the ones that are going up. No, I'm famous for picking the one that Lindsay always stepped my toes on. <laughs> <laughs> so that my opportunity today is technology. Oh, I did do that, didn't I? Exactly, just now you did. TNE, ticker code TNE, it's the largest enterprise software company in Australia and there are multiple uses for its software. It can be used for human resource payroll, can be used for supply chain management, enterprise budgeting, as well as performance management, which you touched on earlier on. So this means that users can use their software from anywhere, anytime in the world. Macroeconomically speaking, it's very good. It fits very well into this environment because it means that people can work from home without any problems. Mm -hmm. Okay. And more importantly, same page, <laughs> hey, everyone just wants to work from home. Exactly. Everyone wants to work from home. No one wants to be performance managed. <laughs> I just that, want shoes. Yeah. <laughs> and you just want shoes. <laughs> okay. So um, the beauty about this company lies in its fundamental um, nature. So in its annual report, um, Technology One released that um, it's in its 11th year of record profits and record sales and revenue. That's very amazing for a company. So it's 11 years, it's on record. So every year for the past 11 yeah. years, it's made a record. That's, an, that's, an, that's astounding. Yeah. That's astounding. So look, one more time. 11, for the past 11 years, every year it's made a record. Record profit, record revenue. That's like running a 100 meter race and making a record every single time, every year that you run that. 
Yeah. That's wow. why um, institutions like Morgan's like it, giving it a 25% uh, upside with a buy rating. If we look at the charts, it's looking very attractive as well. Recently broken out of its downward trend established in May 2020, which means to say that it has 25% before it reaches its all-time high. Currently trading in its mid Donchin channel, Stochastic and MACD are diverging, which means to say there is potentially um, positive momentum moving forward. I think one of the things I, 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 we know about the stock T and E is uh, one. Of, it's not the most well-known tech story um, in terms of what it does, but what they have is they have a lot of contracts with governments. Exactly. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why they've been so good with their uh, with their revenues. Yes. Because co government doesn't like to change contractors. They don't like so to, yeah. Within T and E itself, eighty-six percent of their total revenue is recurring, which mm. means to say, at the at the start of the year, they would have known how much revenue they will be earning towards the end of the year. Well, there you have it here first, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here at the show, I want to wish our clients, friends, and colleagues a safe and happy weekend, and we look forward to seeing you next week. My name is Will Brownlee, and this has been the Cosec Show.